and hello hello in this live from the series of lives the reason i jump we will talk about things that are the same do autistic people or autistic children love things that are the same let's find out with our fantastic guests that we have for today we've got jen and um, a, a taffy and also another fantastic guest. So let's see, I'll send them Ooh, requests to join. Come on. <laughs> Yay, that's it. Let's see. Hello. Hello, hello. Hi, that was quick! I managed to bring you both so quick! Yay! Yay! Oh, Loved it! You? I'm good, thank you! It's like the end of the day in here, which is good, because I'm yes. tired. <laughs> yes, my day's just kind of beginning. It's lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast for me, lunch for everybody else. <laughs> oh, what time is it over there, Taffy? Well, I'm the same as you, Bella. I'm sure we are. Are you? I see. Oh, for God. Yes. Yeah, yes. so it's 8.30. I, I lose track of time. So, yeah, 8.30. Oh, it's bedtime, bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everybody, thank you for coming. We're Thanks. waiting for Palasha Day or Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could um start with some introductions and then hopefully she'll pop in in a second. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. You wanna go first, Bella? No, because I'm trying to invite her, sorry. <laughs> oh, she's here? Is she here? Is she? Okay. No, I don't think so. Uh, no, no, uh, no. Yeah, we, um, she's coming. I know we talked earlier, we chatted earlier. So, well, I'll go mm. ahead. Um, so, my name's Jen Slayton, and I'm a psychotherapist and coach, and I specialize in autism. And um, I work with kids, parents, adults, couples, and I do a, um, late diagnosed autistic women support group that's been amazing and we're just starting our second one on monday so i'm so excited it's just been so what i hear from so many people is there's no resources for adults and so i created this group and it's just been amazing to be able to share and be with people that have the same struggles so anyway and then on clubhouse Kathy and I and our guest Felicia Day, who's not here yet, <laughs> we do a clubhouse room every Thursday at um, it's twelve thirty in the UK or twelve thirty uh, Pacific time and eight thirty PM in the UK, and we have amazing conversations. And tomorrow we're talking about should you disclose your diagnosis, who should you disclose it to, or your child's diagnosis. Um, what about employers? So we're going to be talking about that. And you can also come if you need support with anything or want to share something. We have kind of an open support and chat room. 
And so there's Felicity. So you can um, contact Kathy, myself, Felicity, if you'd like more information about that. Okay. And um, Taffy, let's go to you. Um, I am Taffy. Um, so I'm a mom to uh, twin boys, uh, one who is um, does have development delay, um, but the gap is... Hello. Hi, Felicity. Hi. Good evening, ladies. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, so, so one Kathy is just introducing herself and then we'll have you introduce yourself. Okay. So, um, so twin one has got a bit of a, a delay, so development delay, but um, the gap is closing quite quickly. And then twin two um, has been formally diagnosed as autistic and nonverbal. Um, so apart from that, um, like you said, Jen, we do the Thursday rooms on Clubhouse. And also I run a construction uh, design and build company. So I, I work in construction. And yeah, I've got a daughter who's 13 and a wonderful husband who supports me along the way. So that's me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And Felicity, tell us about you. Okay, hi everyone. I am Felicity, if you're seeing me for the very first time. I'm a mom of two beautiful girls and one of them has been formally diagnosed with autism um, but she's striving fine um, what else well I do so many things I okay well for now I've taken a sort of break from formal work so I'll probably say that um, after working with kids it is three to five and also um, for a while with the elderly I'm now like a social service provider in training although I am working at the moment but it's like training basically all right fantastic and tell us where you are i am in finland yay <laughs> <laughs> yes we're global here <laughs> yes and how about you bella hi i'm bella uh, I work with autistic children, providing uh, music interventions, targeted music interventions, and a safe space for autistic children to um, be themselves, to practice social skills, to practice emotional regulation with me and improve general well-being. Yes, you do. And you do like one-to-one -one and small groups of kids right yes yeah. between like three and five children and but it's mostly one-to-one -one. um but i have a few groups yes that recently started groups because i couldn't handle one-to-one -one. <laughs> no spaces for one-to-one -one anymore yeah yeah that's great because you're a teacher so you know how to do that <laughs> yeah. You gotta manage all the kids and keep them entertained, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's get into our topic for today. So we're reading from the book, The Reason I Jump by Naoki Hikoshida. He was 13 at the time he wrote the book and he wrote it by using an alphabet board. Um, he's nonverbal. I think since then he has developed a few verbal skills, but mostly nonverbal. And so um, if you're new to this book, he writes short chapters about his experience as an autistic um, young person. So this is one person's description. And then we kind of use that to, to 
um, comment on and reflect on in our own experiences and our own lives. So this chapter is called, Why Do You Like Spinning? So he says, us people with autism often enjoy spinning ourselves around and around, like spinning whatever object comes to hand for that matter. Can you understand what's so much fun about spinning? Everyday scenery doesn't rotate, so things that don't spin simply, things that do spin simply fascinate us. And that's my dog commenting. <laughs> Just watching spinning things fills us with a sort of everlasting bliss. For the time we sit watching them, they rotate with perfect regularity. Whatever object we spin, this is always true. Unchanging things are comforting, and there's something beautiful about that. So I found this really interesting and in how he relates it to just things that are unchanging. Um, I've worked with many, many autistic children, and this is one common, common kind of trait that they'll take their cars and turn them upside down and spin the wheels. Um, you know, get them close to their eye, um, spinning fans, or some, some kids find that fascinating, or taking an object and making it spin. So I have, I have seen that, um, but other applications to other things that are unchanging, I think is, is pretty common. So I'd love to hear your guys' comments on that and your experience with your kids or with yourselves or I like things that are unchanging too sometimes. So. <laughs> I was reading it actually that, yeah, I think it's quite a common thing, isn't it? In terms of that change. Yes. Like yeah. things staying the same, but I guess I could share, um, spinning objects was probably one of the first telltale, telltale signs, um, of, uh, my son, um, being on the spectrum. So he did exactly what you described, Jen, and that is to turn toys over and really focus on areas that would spin. Or, um, you know, pigeon toys, um, the spinning ones, he right. absolutely loved that. Um, and just anything that was cylindrical, seemed as if anything that was so toilet roll, um, bottles, anything that could roll, he was absolutely fascinated with and he would put his head on the floor to watch the motion going and like you said um you know there's that visual stimming as well um uh, which goes back to that spinning so um he would use pigeon toys and look at the light but pass the light to see and i guess it it changes doesn't it the light and the and the colors change due to that spinning so yeah that, those were the signs and then things staying the same so um and i think it's the form isn't it because it's a regular form a cylinder mm -hmm. it's it, it gives comfort to uh, many people who are probably on this on the spectrum i know i like things to be a formally uh, well i work in design and um it's that pattern isn't it so um i feel a little bit uneasy if it is irregular patterns um and i've probably come to find um with myself um getting to know my own um brain the way my brain um, works is um the more regular the form the less i have to process if that makes sense so i feel settled yeah so i guess now i'm starting to understand what my son why my son um gets dysregulated by irregular patterns or shapes so yeah that's 
what I can share from my experience. That's so interesting, Taffy, because that was one of the things I was thinking, like what you can actually, now that you're aware, you can feel a difference in your comfort level. Like, would you have a little bit of anxiety or stress or something in your body? Yes. Like, yeah. um, like, like, I guess it's, it's, um, it's as if, it's like walking into um, an untidy room. Um, so having those, those um, irregular, so you need pattern, well, I find I need pattern or my son needs pattern because um, it feels as if you've walked into a room that's really messy. So your, your focus is shifting and you're struggling to then like focus or yeah, your trail of thought then goes or, um, you know, your interest in something, you lose it. So it that does take you off, off the course which can cause that anxiety to build up or um, just, yeah, stress, stress, to be honest. And like I'm saying, now that I can relate it to work in terms of design, I am someone who likes form. I like patterns. I like mirroring objects or mirroring um, plans, etc. So, yeah. <laughs> so oh, I can thank relate. you. Yeah. It's so interesting because um, I basically have a neurotypical brain with traits I have autistic traits because my fam whole family I think is neurodiverse now nobody was diagnosed but um I think for me I can like I like things neat and orderly but if it's not I can kind of tune it out it doesn't really hold my attention and it sounds like for you you can't really tune out that disorganization it will always be there it's like an elephant in the room um but again linking it back to design um you know their style so there's a minimalism style which you know is very settling but there's also the other side which is like maximalism which i love i love patterns but again you know like wallpaper if you get like flowery wallpaper i love that but then again it needs to sit in an orderly <laughs> in an orderly pattern for me to be able to to um What's the word? To my words have gone now. That's okay. Let's kind of just to be settle yeah, and calm. Process it. That that's yeah, yeah. And, and if it's I, not... we've, talked, we've talked about um, you know um, uh, my son having been dysregulated and lashing out sometimes. So he will have meltdowns, or he used to have meltdowns, and part part of it was um, so he's into um, building all my children love building blocks or lego and you'll see that um a pattern always forms but to, it might not be a regular pattern to us so the colors but um we found even from a very young age he would um put things so objects in a line so it could be a cushion it could be um, a bottle a ball and then something odd like um, a piece of lego and um, we would move it away to tidy, but he'd always come back and, and um, arrange it in exactly the same way. But again, we didn't know what was going on. We thought it was just really odd. Um, he just had this fascination, but he would always, so we took a picture of it and found that it was exactly the same pattern. Even stickle bricks, he would take the same five stickle bricks and arrange them the same way. And I think to him now, um, the, the meltdown was caused by him walking in from school, let's say, and yeah, it just seems the room has completely changed. So he's just, yeah, it's a lot to process. He just wants to relax at home, but people have moved what seemed like a regular pattern to him. 
So that's such a good insight to put that together. <laughs> because, you know, is it school stress? Is it the, you know, and you figured out that the home it's was a cool. different. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Taffy. How about you, Felicity? Um, you know, interestingly for her, she didn't really like um, spin toys, you know, like she didn't really do the spinning thing. So I, and from some of the things that I've noticed, I think that the spinning thing probably plays out differently in girls than it does in boys. Mm -hmm. So um, she didn't do the spinning, but yes, she would like um, maybe a certain toy or certain kind of toys. And the first one that we really noticed, like it was so easy to notice because I remember that even at the daycare at the time, when she celebrated her birthday, that's what they would give to her as a birthday gift. And it was um, buses. So, you know, it could be the miniature ones. It could be the big ones, but it just had to be the bus. And then it was the wheels. I think it was the wheels really that was intriguing for her and all of that. So, um, so it was basically that for a really long. And I remember it was that as she was growing, I remember I would jokingly tell uh, my mom at the time that that's, I, that she doesn't like dolls, you know, and, you know, we'll just laugh about it. Like, I, I, I'll be like, see, I've stopped buying dolls because she wouldn't play with dolls, that she really does not like dolls. She just wants maybe a stone, you know. It could, be, it could even be a car, but she would like the buses more than the cars. And, you know, they noticed this so much because, and also, and then her one song at the time was also the wheels on the bus. So it was a thing of always singing that one song and always wanting to play with that one toy. <laughs> so, you know, so it was so, um, would I say it was just a part of her, like you would, you could meet, you could, you only need that to be with her for five minutes and you already know what she likes like okay it's the boss and it's the song like it, it was that obvious and um so of course when she started the daycare it didn't take them time to notice that as well and all of that so she was a lot into the toys and then yes she liked to fix puzzles and um, usually not in the way that you and I um, like not let me say you and I actually because I don't know how I fix puzzles now but she would she had her own pattern you know, when it comes to fixing puzzles and maybe when, she, when it's a new one, she will take some time. But by the time she's doing it, say the third or fourth time, she just fixes, she will pick a, a, a piece this way. And then, you know, while you are still trying to say, okay, is this where it fits or here? Because she's done it like, to, so I think she's just the photographic brain. So she just picks a piece. She looks at it and then she just puts it here. She picks another one, looks at that, she just puts it here. So, you know, she's just doing that. So for her, so that was just her own button. And so trying to join her to fix a puzzle, sometimes she might find it annoying if you you pick a puzzle, a piece, and then you are trying to, she'll just snatch it out of your hand and just place it where it should be. Like, she'll she, she just be like, you're wasting so much time. Then um, Duplo and, well, Legos, not so much. I think probably because they are tinier. But she likes to blow, and yes, she would always do the arranging things. You know, she'll do it, arrange it as a like a tower or in a straight line or whatever. And you are not allowed to move one piece. Like, however she fixes it, don't touch it. If anybody touches it or you mistakenly 
not even you, even if she herself, you know, messes it up the way she's arranged the pattern, then she would have a meltdown at that time because she always wanted it to be the exact pattern that she had in her hair that she had formed it out into. So even she herself was not allowed to mess up with the pattern. Um, so, you know, that was something that was on for a really long time. And, you know, having to then clean up the Duplo, for instance, or sometimes is, um, you know, the block puzzles, the ones that are pictures, but they are in block forms. I don't know if you know those ones. They're like in block forms, like cubes, but they are puzzles as well, but they are cubes and usually pictures. She liked those ones as well. And it was the same thing. <laughs> Even though, you know, those ones too can be like four pictures, but because they're in cubes, so you fix one picture, then the other part is not. Then she would always try to fix it in a way that this part makes sense, is a pattern, and then the other part also has a pattern. So one of the, you know, like I said, not wanting anybody to touch it, but so sometimes she may have fixed it like in the living room and then you need her to clean up, like somebody needs to take it out or something and then she would have a meltdown. So what actually helped was eventually finding a way to get her to clean it up. Like, okay, put it back together in the box and she would then fix it in her box the way that she wants it to be. That way it helps because now she's taking it from like a formed pattern into another sort of formed but not formed pattern, but that is she's doing it herself. So it really helps than somebody else having to clean up her mess. But now I think it's not as bad as then she probably has a better understanding of having to clean up after herself. Like if she plays with a toy, telling her to clean up, or if somebody else does it, it's um well managed now because she understands it better now than that time. So how old, it really your was like that. How old is your daughter now? She's seven now, seven, seven going on to eight. Yes, but some things that have not really changed um, with respect to same things um, would be cutlery. It always has to be the same fork or the same spoon. It doesn't change. Um, it would be plates, depending on what she's eating. If she's eating rice, for instance, it has to be this plate. If she's eating cereal, it has to be that one. Mm -hmm. So those ones, um, there's no compromise <laughs> in that area yet. So, and for that, I really don't think it's a problem, really. Taffy, you relate to that too. <laughs> <laughs> I love, you the, same. love the same cutlery too. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's just the weight, isn't it? At least you know what you expect. And again, it's processing. I, I don't have to process that side. I can then focus on eating. And it's probably the same for your daughter, for the shadow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. And, but then I, I also think that when, well, I don't know, this is me personally. I, because, you know, having accepted it the way that it is, I think it just helps because then you just know what works and what would not work in a certain environment, for instance. And I, I really just think it, it helps really to know what, because I remember that when I am um, at the daycare at that time, they would tell me sometimes that, oh, you know, when we set her her food, she would just sit down and she would stare at the food, but she won't touch it. She won't eat it. And then, so it was so easy to say, um, did you give her the same fork? Did you give her the same spoon? 
So she could be hungry, but because you've served her in a plate of fuck that's not washed she wants then she's not touching the food so it's not because it might not even be because she doesn't like the food but it's because you have changed what she's used to eating the food in you understand and because then also she wasn't um she was um when i say pretty verbal not not really verbal she was more into singing than speaking so it was really so she wouldn't just say anything. She'd just sit down there and be staring at the meal. Unlike now, she can actually tell you, I want white plates or I want the red cup or I want that fork. So now she can tell you her needs in certain areas. So Yeah, thank you. That's so it's so interesting how you know <clears throat> I know that you're really tuned into your daughter and probably figured out pretty quickly why she wasn't eating at school. But I think a lot of times it's it's a puzzle to be solved. Like why isn't she eating or why is he having meltdowns when he comes home? And this is one thing to look at. Is there something Correct. different or a change or yeah. So that's really um really helpful. Yeah. How about you, Bella? He must run across this a lot with the little ones. Yeah. I recently <clears throat> re I wouldn't say redesigned, but I've changed some things around my studio. And with the online lessons, I kept the same background. But obviously, for the children who are coming to see me face to face, they would have noticed that I have like three big screens in here that makes my online work um, easier. And then I had to move things around. And then I got the piano from the house in my studio because nobody was playing it in the house. So at least nobody's going to play it in here. So I had a keyboard, so I replaced the keyboard with the piano. And of course, first thing when each autistic child who came to see me were like waiting in the waiting room and looking, shall I get in or shall I not get in? And of course, the ones who can verbalize it really well, they were telling me off, why did I change? Why do I need three screens? Why do I need a piano? So I had to explain and find a, an acceptable reason <laughs> for them. Why do I need those things in there? But they were not impressed and they kept doing that for like three, four weeks in a row, every time when they were coming in, they were telling me off, why do you have this in here? And we started it all over. So yeah, it was the, um, the change. They liked the things how they were. And uh, yeah, they were not so practical for me. So I had to make some changes. But there's also, um, in a way, to be honest, as a teacher and now like as a music teacher, I love it because I know exactly what to offer them when they come. I know exactly they want that instrument, that instrument, the other instrument, or they want this activity uh, in the beginning, or they always like to finish with this type of activity. So it's really easy for me to kind of plan. But then sometimes I run out of, of ideas as well, how to diversify it a little bit, but still keep it with the same pattern that they like. But it was really useful um, <clears throat> to realize that, because I've realized it myself. I 
didn't know anybody like any adults, autistic adults, or um, we didn't do any useful training as teachers. So as soon as I realized it myself that there are, you know, um, specific things that they like in specific ways and specific orders, it was nearly like as an advantage for me as a, a learning facilitator to actually use all of this and their interests as well combined with their preferences for things to actually motivate them and sustain that motivation throughout some learning and it didn't bother me that they like the same song I mean I have parents sometimes that say oh not that song again and I say yeah that song let's go for it It's comforting for me. It's comforting for them. Why wouldn't we use it? You know, I don't mind. And uh, we don't have that many nursery rhymes that are so accessible for children with so many actions, visuals um, uh, in Romania, for example. So when I came in the UK like 11 years ago and I've discovered this beautiful nursery rhymes um I, I was using them constantly anyway and everybody used to tell me oh you're gonna get bored of them because you're just gonna get bored of singing them all the time but no i love them <laughs> i love their routine because you're not gonna sing twinkle twinkle little star doing this and you're not gonna see the wheels on the bus doing that you know so <laughs>
Lego so that the other children can play because my son won't take down his his he calls them models to justify them not being broken <laughs> he has limited vocabulary but he can say model um and um yeah so it's it's that it's because it's also um self-care as well it, you know it branches into that as well that if if um there is no change if that you if we are encouraging sameness then um yes it, it can leak into self-care or tidying up etc so i think there's a if i you know that but choosing picking that battle of teaching difference or um different scenarios is probably a good thing and diet as well i went to a pediatrician recently um just for a checkup and she was saying again it is difficult to then get nutrients the right nutrients into um, our children if they're eating the same thing so if they're eating the same chicken nuggets then they're not getting all the um, nutrients or vitamins that they need. So it's a battle, but I guess it's it's one of those where it's getting to know what works and um, getting to know all, as well um, the boundaries that you can push with them. So what you can actually encourage them to change, um, but also having the option of that same, so the regular pattern alongside the irregular pattern. Right, but, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah the food is a huge one for some kids and adults that will eat such a limited amount of food that it really does affect health mm. so yeah you're right there needs to be some balance of way to help people develop flexibility while having the sameness so they're not because the more stressed they are usually the more they need things the same and they yes. can't tolerate yeah yeah. But interestingly enough, at school, um, the setting keeps changing in order for them to learn different things. So he seems fine with that. But then at home, he wants exactly the same. So I guess that's where we then know we can push push him to try different things. Yeah. Yeah. In schools, I mean, I know there's good and bad programs, but a lot of times, I mean, some kids just hate school. Some kids do better in school because of that they have the ability in that setting to create more consistency and sameness than you can at home. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. And so kids that really need that sometimes do much better in school and then they get home and you've got other kids and you can't create that same, that predictability. So yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, but at the same time, there's, um, so much instability at school and they they get all of their energy there trying to cope with everything and when they come home they want their stability they it's their safe space and they can't cope with home being changed as well so mm -hmm. there are so many things and if the child is not verbal enough to express all of this it's kind of up to us, like uh, like I said, Taffy, to kind of choose your battles and see is really worth it, or they just need this for their own self regulation and safety, you know, to feel really safe. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Work, isn't it? That you go to work and then, rightly or wrongly, you mask, and then when you get home, you just want to be able to do what you normally do. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs>
Right. And some schools can be really overwhelming for kids because there's more stimulation, there's more rules to follow, there's bells ringing. And so for some kids, yeah, it's a really stressful environment. So mm. that's a good point. How about you, Felicity? Hmm. Well, it's quite similar to what Tuffy has just described, honestly. But what I've just learned to do, okay, I'll start with the food. I've recently learned that or rather I've recently learned not for instance not to ask her what do you want to eat for instance because if I ask her what do you want to eat she's probably going to tell me the same thing for breakfast for lunch and for dinner and because I have I am the one who has asked that what do you want to eat if she tells me the same meal I think it's unfair for me to then say no you can't have that meal so I have learned to ask do you want this or they so I offer the options so that way she's she the options are before her and then she's she just has to consider which one she prefers better or which ones she thinks she has <laughs> she should rather eat at that point in time you know but of course there are times where I have said this or this and then she'll say that you know <laughs> because she's smart like that so but at least I start with this or this and then if she says that I tell her okay we will consider that but let's start with this or this pick this or this first and then we can talk about that so sometimes I can then push that to the next meal or the next day depending on you know whatever it is that um she picks so that's one lesson that I have like really learned recently that give options that not just ask what's then with um with sharing like okay for instance if she has to watch um Nozzy rhymes or she's not really into cartoons but Nozzy rhymes she's like she likes things that are musical so um if the if the cartoon is not musical then she, so she's really not into cartoons but if she has to watch something on the tv and she has her way they were probably going to be watching well it's two ways we're probably going to be watching the same thing when it plays up to like three, maybe like 20 seconds or 30 seconds, then she goes back to the beginning and then it starts again because it's probably that part of the nursery rhyme or something that she likes. Or she listens to the part that she likes and then she skips it before somebody else gets to ex really take in what has just played. And so it's two ways. It's either she's skipping, skipping, skipping or repeating, repeating, repeating. It's one of the, one. it's, you know, one or the other so um well i think she gets to that because if she had um, you know gets a hang of the remote control so but what i've learned to do now is to get her to take um, turns with her sister because her sister also has her own preferences which sometimes they like the same thing and they don't mind watching the same thing but other times she wants to watch this one but her sister is crying that she wants this one so i've learned to tell one person to wait for this person to finish watching what she has chosen and then the other person gets to pick because really at the end of the day like it's not she's they're not always going to be in the house so they, that's how they get to learn to also accommodate other people's needs as well so it's there are times where yes she might go into a meltdown because she wants that thing but it's her sister's turn but i've also learned to just let her 
you know, it's meltdown. You can be there as long as the song <laughs> would be two minutes, the song is over, then it's her turn, you know. So, and I think sometimes that may also happen if maybe the message isn't clear enough and then, you know, it's her sister's turn, but she's thinking, no, I'm not getting a turn. So if the message is not clear, I think, yes, that probably then leads to the meltdown. But if the message is clear enough, now she's gotten used to really... You know, it's not. It, I, I can see that it's not easy for her sometimes. Like if she really doesn't like what her sister has picked, but you know, she's learning, and I think that's the most important thing. She's learning, and um, it gets better for each time that we do it again. It gets better for each time that we do it again. It gets better. So, um, so that's it. Yes, thank you, Flash Day. That's such a good point because. I think what happens, and I think it's it's similar to people that have OCD, that if the brain has to change from what it's expecting, it creates like an irritability and a stress, but it can be short-lived. And so sometimes we have to allow that upset because it's just kind of the brain trying to shift into this other this other place. And if, if there's compassion, I know this is hard for you. It's hard for you to wait. It'll be okay. Um, of course, some children, when they're melting down and you talk to them, it's too much. But that's the the message is, you know, I know this is hard. Just It's almost your turn. And then they do get used to the new kind of pattern. And then you can kind of maybe expand it to waiting for three minutes or four minutes. Because one thing I I think is a concern that I've heard from parents too is that when a child's listening to something really repetitive, like you know segments of movies over and over and over, they tend to sometimes re verbally repeat that, and it seems like they're always thinking about it, and it kind of takes over. And so, as much as we want to allow them to do what they need to do. I think we also have to balance that with, you know, what, what gets too excessive and what's maybe not, not healthy for them. But, you know, it, it, um, it's interesting because like, if I really, really like decide, like want to be honest about this, I can say that to an extent, it's sort of weird for me as a parent trying to teach her that, okay, you shouldn't repeat no I, I wouldn't say you shouldn't repeat but like okay it's okay for you to try something else so i i, I wouldn't say it's um, don't repeat but i'll say try something else because actually knowing that you are guilty of the same you know and i think that um sometimes with things like that it might it's probably not even a, well I, I can't speak for her but you know if i have to look about it you know like somebody who understands what that is for her like who understands the um, excitement she gets from the repetition i can say that it might not be conscious a conscious thing and that's because you know for a really long time i didn't realize it so i ran into my second i had like a, it's the same person as my sitmate for a really long time in secondary school i was in the boarding house and i remember that the first time we, we reconnected after years after leaving secondary school the first time that we reconnected you know, after the pleasantries and all, oh, the first thing she asked me was, do you still sing songs repeatedly? And I looked at her like, did I used to do that? She's like, no, you don't mean you did know you used to do that. 
And you know, and that was the first time she was honest with me that she kind of found it annoying, but <laughs> but she never complained. And I think maybe also because she'd never complained, I didn't, I wasn't conscious that I used to do that a lot. So imagine it took her many years after then telling me that. And so when I just said my sister about it, that, oh, that imagine, you know, somebody told me that. I put some, and she's like, of course you repeat songs. Like it was so annoying when we had the CD player because you would play the same track over and over again. Once it stops or gets the point, you would go and, you know, take it back and start again. And that it was, so like, okay. So, and I think, you know, having somebody else tell you then um, brings your, you know, you to that consciousness. So it might just be a subconscious thing that your brain is just set to that. Once it picks that thing in the song that it's like, it just gets stuck in that area. Yes, that's a really good point. <clears throat> I think that's really true. I mean, that happens to me to lesser degree with songs, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> days later, I'm still thinking of the same melody. It's like, ah. <laughs> Which is common with a lot of people, you know, across yeah. the whole spectrum, yes. <laughs> So really, I think um, but that's it. So, you know, you can then imagine that you then realizing that, oh, well, I can be quite like that. But then now having to teach somebody that, um, you know, <laughs> you should try something else, knowing fully well how that might feel for her. But then again, I think it's just, you know, I mean, it's just worth introducing to them. And I think that's the part where you don't get to force anything, but you just find strategies that would work for them to be able to try other things if they try it and they don't like it it's fine you know but yeah and i think it's really interesting point to help maybe make that conscious for kids or by not criticizing but just saying oh you're singing the wheels on the bus song again you really like that song you sing that a lot something like that maybe would be helpful to make it more conscious if it's more of just kind of an automatic kind of thing Somebody and try. it can and it can also be a good thing like i mean bella might agree with this one too because if it's that one song you then might just want to find ways to use that one song to to teach the child so many other different things because i remember that when we started um, started with her um developmental counselor i mean years ago and you know when you have the first meeting telling them you have to tell them about the child then they observe the child too and all that. And, and I told her that, okay, well, it's just this one song, just this one song, no other song. And so it was helpful because with that one song, she was able to teach her colors. With that one song, she was able to, she just found ways, you know, the tune of the song to then, and it got to a point that even she would, you know, sometimes change the lyrics of the song, the same tune, but she changed the lyrics to try to pass across the message. You know, so I think that some you we, we can also use it positively, depending on what you're trying to teach the child. That's a great point, Bella. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk about this a lot. But yes, um, you know, Taffy was saying in the beginning that it's about the form and the patterns. And uh, that's what a song has. It has form and patterns. And just because you change some words or you 
completely change the lyrics is not going to bother the autistic people that much. They might say, oh, this is not how it goes. That's usually for me. But then they still sing it. They still go along with the actions. They still react, respond. Um, because actually, like we said, the form, the pattern is still there. The melody is still there. So they get out of it everything they wanted to get out of it and they're not bothered that if the words are changed so it really works for teaching so many skills and practicing those skills it's not only about teaching it's about practicing because it takes lots and lots of practice and if you want to teach flexibility for example i've been working on this recently with an autistic girl who's nearly eight and um We've been working for six weeks and all I I was telling her like a little homework for the first five weeks was to observe and bring me a little post-it card, you know, uh, next week and tell me when her mom was flexible that week. And then mom had to be self-conscious about it and talk through and kind of um, model and verbalize the process she was going through and then the next week I've asked her to observe the dad and then the next week I've asked her to observe the teacher or one of the friends and then I went back to the mom and dad <laughs> and then after in the sixth week I said can you this week have a have a thing when you could be flexible or your 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 pet rabbit because she she has a favorite toy, a favorite stuffed toy that she keeps to herself. And I said, you or the toy. So I didn't put like a pressure on her. You this week have to. So she could have made something up about her rabbit that he didn't have carrots and he ate something else. But no, actually, she did something herself. And she was very proud to tell me that I did this this week. But I it took her that many weeks, you know, to observe the other people and actually see how the others are flexible. And it was a little thing. She just swapped uh, her breakfast for something else because they were out of that or the parents pretended they were out of that. <laughs> so, something like that. But it was a big thing for her, a little thing like for us. And then um, next week, I didn't give her this assignment again. There was something else like, and she still gave me a different example uh, that she did. So she continued doing it, but... Like I said, it's all about the practice as well. And yeah, it is possible, but slowly, slowly. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's a really good example. And yeah, just saying things out loud and, and talking mm. about it, I think is important. That was tricky because I have to coach the parents as well. I can't do it with her there. So there's lots of messaging and other phone calls like extras because I had to coach them. You know, you have to do this. You have to make like a big deal out of it. You have to do all the thinking process. And what happens if she doesn't listen? She doesn't have to listen. She can even be upstairs in her bedroom. You talk loudly downstairs or up and down the stairs, not particularly in her face so that she doesn't feel like it's all for her. Or yeah, just do it around them. And they are like little sponges observing anyway. So... Uh, it worked. I knew it was going to work because I've done it before, not particularly with flexibility, with other, <laughs> other, how shall I call them? I don't particularly like them calling them skills, but yeah, with other skills, let's call them. I don't like the word skill. Yeah. Well, That's fantastic yeah. um, suggestion to start to think about with other things too. Yeah, about 
modeling it and talking out loud about it and not necessarily because yeah. I've known some kids that kind of shut down when they're being taught something yeah so, exactly yeah. yeah and when it's directed to them so directing it to her pet rabbit you know her toy pet toy I was brilliant I thought I was definitely sure she was gonna go for the toy as in the past she went for the toy you know but I've been working with her for about a year so she felt confident you know enough and safe enough to share that um, with me and it's the same with like making mistakes I, I usually use the same concept I specifically ask the parents to make visible mistakes and go through thinking process with that to to for the child to see that actually others make mistakes and they are not so hard on themselves or they have a choice to make be hard on themselves or move on somehow accepting that this is not what they wanted so it also depends to family style, to culture, you know, the way how they want to bring up their own children and what's the family, uh, you know, the family core beliefs and their culture as well. But um, usually modeling the thinking process helps a lot, a lot, a lot, in my That's opinion. Fantastic. I totally agree. That's I love that. Um, there was I saw a couple comments come through, too, while you're while you're at yeah. it. Oh, you've got some fans in here. <laughs> I'm sure we had her, MK, didn't we? <laughs> um, hello, lovely ladies. Lovely to see you on this live. Yay. Hi, MK. Um, Claire says, in terms of patterns, I love holographic cards uh, where you move it in light and patterns change or rainbows appear. I really love rainbow patterns or that kaleidoscope, Claire. Do you like the old kaleidoscope we had some when we were children? I also enjoy drawing, repeating patterns using stripes of star shapes or star shapes. Working into them with detailed patterns is very calming. It is indeed. Oh, the pinged question. If the things feel... So MK says, if the things feel like a routine or strict structure, I tend to switch between different things. I do have, um, is it slot or lots of special interests? So it varies. Yeah. It is a bit easier when you have more um, special interests or not just one, isn't it? I find it as well. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing this with us. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's true that if there's a general structure and things are predictable, then it might be easier to change something within that structure. So, yeah. yeah well, I recently shared with you um, about clothing, didn't I? Um, that I tend to wear black. Be and it's only recently that I realized it's, yeah, it's, if I deviate and aware, I know I'm not wearing black today, but if I wear like colors, I, I don't, I just feel a little bit uneasy. And I think it is that sensory processing. It's something else to think about. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's so interesting. Yeah. There's, I've seen kids with that too, that parents talk mm -hmm. about, They'll go into the dirty laundry to get the same shirt because they don't want to change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're... Well, uh, with that okay. one, you just 
you just buy the same. <laughs> you buy two pieces or three pieces of the same. Because I do it even for myself. Like if I see something that I really like, sometimes I buy it in different colors. And I think that's also because so, sometimes, probably because of the fabric. Because sometimes I buy something that I think I really like. By the time I take off the tag, I wear it. I realize that the fabric is not good for me. And then I can't return it. So I always have to give it out, you know. So um, there's that. And then there's probably patterns and colors. For me, it's more of the fabric, actually, than the colors. It's, you know, it's that I like the color. I don't like it. But the fabric still has to be something that I can wear, no matter how much I like the pattern or the color unfortunately and it's quite the same for my daughter as well the, the fabric is very important and the pattern is important the texture of the fabric is important the thickness yes. is important so there are so many things you really want i mean when it comes to clothing there are so many things you really want to consider um so with with them or i mean i'm imagining other parents in my shoes would just be that you just come to terms with the fact that you can't see that fancy lovely dress on the on the track and like oh this is going to look good on my daughter she's going to love it mm -mm, it doesn't work that way unfortunately so yeah and and i think sometimes too it can be very difficult where if you're going somewhere and then she decides that okay this is what she, she really was wants to wear there and you are thinking um you know, maybe this is not so suitable for that place. But then you also realize that it's important for her to be comfortable in what she's wearing if you want to have a good time where you are going to. So sometimes, I mean, the child is well-dressed, but you get to the place and they can't, they, I mean, you can't get them to do anything because, and it's because they are not comfortable. So the brain is trying to process what the fabric is doing to the skin. That's not where the child is. So sometimes... You just have to, as a parent, it can be difficult. And I, I mean, I think this is also because of the society. You know, you don't want them to think, oh, I can't afford certain things for my child because they don't understand the struggles you have to face <laughs> with right. some of these things, you know. So sometimes it's society that puts that pressure on parents to want to get them to make their ch children wear certain things even do, ah, oh, the child doesn't really want it. That's so true. And um, I think as a parent, you have to develop kind of a thick skin sometimes, you know. Yeah. We're, we're going to need to wrap up pretty soon, but I wanted to check the comments and then um, have us make final thoughts or share our final thoughts. So, Bella? Hey. Um, Claire and I are having a conversation about the kaleidoscopes and the patterns that they are making. Thank you, Claire, for that. Yes, I like looking that... at them too. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, read the. We read it first. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she just says, "Yeah, kaleidoscopes. I used to love them as a kid. I think I still have one, but it's clear with lots of little squares, so you can see what you're looking at, repeating it over and over." MK says, if it's a sensory tool or a resource, yes, I have a few grounding things, but overall, anything creative, yay. And she agrees with you, uh, Tate, colors, that's such a good example you're giving, yay. Uh, oh, that's it. Uh, emotions learning content great thank you lovely ladies thank you for being here with us today everyone 
Yeah. Been amazing. Um, any, you guys, Taffy Flash Day, would you like to make any final, share any final thoughts or comments? Or did you have a fun time here? <laughs> <laughs> As always. As always, <laughs> had an amazing time. It's always good to share, and it's always good to, um, I guess, share experiences with another parent. So I, I find, um, yeah, I can relate when Follow Shadow's talking and when all of you are talking, learn a lot from you. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here, Ah, oh, Well, um, thank you for having me again. <laughs> And it's been an amazing conversation as always. And, you know, like Taffy said, um, I always look forward to conversations like this because, you know, it's when you're talking and then you see the others going this way, like, mm -hmm. so it just reminds you that, I mean, you're not alone. <laughs> Somebody else actually understands um, what, you, what it is that you're going through or you might be experiencing because you know when you don't talk about it this way sometimes you might just be in that bubble and think it's just you so it, it really helps to have these kind of conversations and i can imagine another parent watching it and then being able to relate to the things that we've shared today or another autistic person being able to relate to what we've shared today so yes thank you well said well um that was you got sparklies on you <laughs> Thank you. Do you want to have any final comments or thoughts, Bella? You're, you're just sparkling. No, no, no. Yeah, more sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like both ladies and moms said, I, I'm so excited to hear that somebody, you know, closer or further away, go through the same things. And um, yeah, relate to so many things. And actually learn some um, bits as well so thank you very absolutely. much absolutely thank you guys and you definitely have to come back because you know we're doing different topics all the time and we'll be here next wednesday same time and um thank you everybody this was an amazing conversation i truly loved it and i did learn always learning from you guys so we'll we'll see you at tomorrow and clubhouse Yes. yes. <laughs> I'll have to join you. <laughs> yes. You should come. You yes, you should. In case you joined late, I talked about in the beginning, but we have a clubhouse room on Thursdays at 8.30 in the UK, 12.30 Pacific time. And we talk about all kinds of topics and we offer support for people, questions, um, same kind of thing that, you know, you can hear other people having some of the similar issues. And tomorrow we are talking about, do you disclose your, your diagnosis, your child's diagnosis, who, do you, who how, when? Um, so we're going to be talking about that. All right. So we'll see you guys later. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you, MK. What a lovely comment. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>